When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hi, this is James Mercer from The Shins. This is Shirley Manson. This is Low Tallest, co-founder of The Cure. This is Huey Lewis giving you the story behind the song. The story behind the song is back with an exciting second season. We peel back the layers on music's most iconic hits with legendary artists like The Killers, Heart, The B-52s, Violent Femmes, Jewel, Huey Lewis, Modern English, and more. To keep the music flowing, we'll be sprinkling in classic episodes from our archives between each new one. So check out the story behind the song wherever you get your podcast. So you want to be a rock and roll star? No? Well, how about a podcast star? Well, as it turns out, there's a new all-in-one platform just for you. It's called Anchor, and it's the easiest way to make a podcast. And check this out. It's free. There's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer, and then Anchor will distribute the podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify and Apple Podcasts and, you know, everywhere else in, uh, in podcast land. And what's even better, you can actually make money from your podcast. Go figure. Uh, no minimum listenership on that. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. So go ahead, download the free Anchor app right now or go to anchor.fm to get started. So what are you waiting for? Podcast stardom is within your reach. The Star Wars universe is constantly expanding. But how the heck are you going to keep tabs on it without a holocron? And where in the rim can I score the juiciest news and rumors? Ah, you seek State of the Empire, Consequence of Sound's Star Wars Speculation Podcast, where we look for news in Alderaan places. We dig into the Sarlacc pit of the internet for the hottest intel in the galaxy far, far away. Make Indiana Jones inquiries and keep watch for the latest on Willow. Find us on consequenceofsound.net or wherever you procure fine podcasts. It's the show you're looking for. Consequence Podcast Network. Hey, welcome to another edition of Kyle Meredith with an audio interview series presented by WFPK Independent Louisville. Consequence of Sound and the Consequence Podcast Network. Hey, if you haven't already, why haven't you subscribed? Maybe it's your first time listening. That's all right. You can subscribe on uh, iTunes and Apple Podcasts. You can subscribe on YouTube or Spotify really wherever you get your favorite podcast from. We put out interviews every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at Consequence of Sound. I'm Kyle Merritt, and today my guest is Brad Schultz of the band Cage the Elephant, a band that's uh, from just down the road from where I am here in Louisville, a Bowling Green band. We're going to be talking about their brand new record, Social Cues, how it has its ties into dark cinema. This is their dark cinema record. That's in part due to teaming up with uh, Beck's dad, David Campbell, Beck is also on the record. We talk about that, taking in some inspiration from another Bowling Green fella, John Carpenter, and his scores, their plans for actually making a longer movie themselves, and how it's lyrically rooted in a very dark time in lead singer Matt Schultz's life, going through a divorce. But as Brad assures us, it's definitely relatable to everyone. Kyle Meredith with Cage the Elephant. Hey, how are you doing, man? Hey, dude, congratulations on this new record, Social Cues. It's great to have you guys back. This this sounds fantastic, man. 
Oh man, thank you so much. We um, the long process. We start. We actually started the, the process for that record and demoing in uh, October of 2017. Wow! And so it's good to see it kind of come to fruition. And now we're done. We can start the uh, touring, and, and it's good to see people connecting with the songs that have been out right now. Yeah. And that tour, by the way, I'll point that out. You've got a hell of a tour lineup on the way with. With you all, Cage the Elephant, and Beck and Spoon, and some fantastic openers from there, that's a monster lineup. You know, we we wanted to come out of the gates with a fun, exciting tour for us and for people. And, and so, uh, it you know, the, since we had the song with Beck, that idea was thrown around, and it, we're just blessed that that he's been so cool and willing to, you know do this tour and then to get spoon on board just added another level of excitement and uh and then like you said the the three um bands that we added as the first on that being wild bell sunflower bean and Starcrawler, i almost feel like we we um, were able to put together a mini festival in some sort <laughs> yeah no that's what it feels like that's what it definitely feels like it was kind of a, a little mind-blowing moment when that announcement came across and, you know, so you got back on the record, and he's on that song Night Running, which is also the name of that tour. For this record on Social Cues, you also worked with his uh, his dad, right, David Campbell? Yeah, we did. And, and you know, before we got with Beck to do Night Running, we we had David Campbell on, because we want you know, on the back of doing Unpeeled, we really wanted to add that dynamic to this record in some sense, the string section and... And also it added, it, it kind of tied in with ideas that we really wanted this record to be more cinematic. And uh, David Campbell was really on the top of our list for the string arrangements. And so we had actually started that process before we recorded Night Running with Beck. And it's just crazy how everything works out. You know, you, you always hear the old cliche like, oh, it was just meant to be. <laughs> like in this case, it's... It was almost. It was like more of a, a physical representation of it was meant to be than I've ever experienced in you know making any other record. <laughs> well, with him, you do get that cinematic touch. You know, this being sort of, I guess you would call it a dark cinema record. If if I had to, you know, throw it even further down that, at least what it sounds to me. And and I guess that all ties into uh, some other uh, composers, which you know has a local connection with uh, John Carpenter as well. Is that what I, I read that right? That was really what we were digging into on this record was like horror film music and horror films, and you know we wanted this record to carry that sort of sentiment in a certain way. And yeah, John Carpenter is actually from Bowling Green, and he when when he was a teenager, he actually dated our bass player's mother. <laughs> it was such an odd thing. But uh, he was definitely a huge influence on this record and, and just horror films in, in general. Were you guys watching a lot of them while doing uh, the, the record? I mean, were you, were you trying to look at specific ones to, to kind of pull ideas from? We, we've always been a very visual band in, in, our, in our approach of where we take inspiration from. And so, yes, it, that, and we were also watching, like, me and, during the song House of Glass, me and Matt were really enamored by this television show on Netflix called uh, I Am a Murderer, or I Am a Killer. Right, right. And, and, it, and it interviews people on death row, and you kind of go through their whole life of, you know, like, you really 
have a lot of compassion and 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 you feel really bad for them in the first of every episode because it goes through their life and how they were raised and how they were kind of products of their environment, each and every one of them. But then you see how they turned, and there's people that go through those certain things that don't succumb to what they did. And so during House of Glass, we, we were watching that, and there, there was all kinds of different stuff that we were pulling from in that time period, though. I mean, to be such a cinematic band, you know, in the past, and especially now with this, and, and with the music videos sort of taking, you know, life onto many movies in themselves, is that, do you ever want to take that further? Would you ever want to actually do a film, something longer? We, we actually had an idea around this record. We just didn't have the time to... So maybe after, you know maybe we'll, we'll do that down the road. But we did we did have an idea around this character called the Broken Boy, and uh, we we just didn't have the time to pull it together. Honestly, I wish I had a better story than that, but that's the <laughs> truth. <laughs> no, it's all right. That I mean just the title alone that sounds creepy enough. The Broken Boy. <laughs> I don't know if it's meant to sound creepy, but it definitely does. Yeah. Um, it, <laughs> And, and and from what I've read, you know, how this ties in, you know, with, with Matt especially writing about these type of characters, you know, as almost a concept record. But, it, you know, it does have roots in the stuff that he was going through in his personal life with the divorce. And and I don't know if, if this is rooted lyrically in, in, a, in, in kind of being a breakup record. Do you still relate to it because of the way it's turned around? Yeah. I mean, I think, you know, everybody's gone through breakups. And everyone, if, even if you haven't gone through a breakup for some odd reason, you've went through depress, depression and you have experienced low times in your life. And I think that with Matt and, and his approach to his lyrical content is that he, has to, he wants to be as honest as he possible, possibly can about his experiences. And I, and I think that if you are very honest and brutally honest with yourself and brutally honest about the truth of what you're going through, negative and positively, I think people will connect to that because, you know, as much as we, we all as a society want to convince ourselves that we're each and everyone's this like special, unique flower, <laughs> we, we, we all experience the same things and we all want, to, generally we all want at, at the, at the basics of life, we all want the same things as well. We want happiness and we want to be loved and we want to be accepted. And so I think in in that, you know, realm of thinking, yeah, I think everything that Matt talks about is super relatable. Well, I love what I've heard from this. Uh Brad, congratulations. It is great to have Cage the Elephant back and social cues. I mean, it's another great one from you all. So yeah, appreciate it. Oh man, thank you so much. All right, it's a pleasure you, to talk you to all you. Been on the ground level for us. So yeah. It's uh it's good to talk to somebody from the, the like I say, the mother lane. I'm <laughs> <laughs> excited to have you guys back over here whenever you're uh, dropping by again. All right, man. Thank you so much. And a big thanks to Brad Schultz of Cage the Elephant. The new record is called Social Cues. Actually caught up with, uh, with Brad Schultz just a couple years ago when they were about to release the Unpeeled Live album. Thought we'd include that one on here as well as a lead-in. Part two of Kyle Meredith with Cage the Elephant. First off, uh, I mean, I, I think we're just talking about Unpeeled. That's been the new record that's been announced. Like, there's a concept here. There's a story here. You want to you wanna lay that out? Well, I guess the concept is a, a stripped-back record that has, you know, we had like a quartet, string quartet. We had a choir. 
And we actually recorded most of it live, but we did do studio stuff as well. So, yeah, you know, when I listened to it, like, because somebody had said that, you know, press release, it's a live record, but it doesn't sound like a live record. It sounds no, like a studio record. Yeah, that's what that our whole objective was that um, exactly. We, mm-hmm. we just wanted to do it live and, get, and capture the live vibe and the, the energy that's exchanged between us and the crowd, but also have it sound a little more direct than like a studio record. Mm-hmm. Did that come from the last record? Because that was sort of the, the note about that last record. But it was more stripped back than you guys had ever tried before. Um, I don't think it necessarily came from the idea of Tell Me I'm Pretty. I think it came, uh, we, we did this Neil Young benefit, uh, the Bridge School benefit. And as we were practicing for that, we just were having a great time stripping everything back and finding parts with different instruments to, to kind of take place of some of the effects and that sort of thing. And it just became really fun and evident that we should do more of that. Yeah. And um, then we played the Neil Young show. It went off really well. And uh, we had a, a great time doing that and kind of decided to do a, a whole tour that way. And then that evolved into a record and I don't know, and so on. And now, and now here we're we are here. talking to yeah. each other. <laughs> <laughs> did, did any of the songs get a major overhaul? I mean, like right now, of course, I've, only, I've heard the two that are out, but... Were you guys um, able to look at, because, you know, it's kind of a chance for some of the songs to get a second chance. Yeah, definitely. I think that that was our whole idea is to re-envision every song and kind of take a new approach. Yeah. yeah. There's some songs that stay a little closer to what the songs were originally, but a lot of them drift off and kind of take their own form. Because, you know, seeing like Sweetie Little Jean come out now as a single it never had the chance to shine like this mm. but suddenly i get to hear the the song you know in this more focused sort of way and it's yeah we we're actually really that was a song that we were extra happy with yeah the way it turned out yeah uh, about the covers too because you know the first thing we hear is reckless eric which you know whole wide world one of the great songs that's not exactly a popular song golden brown is the same way you know like how do you pick them and and, and i'll say that the nice thing about that is you are doing a service of introducing these songs to a whole generation who probably never knew them. I mean, there's both songs that we were just in love with as a band and just from even our younger days. And, I, and I've always wanted, like, my younger brother is in a band, and I, I was trying to get to him to cover uh, Reckless Eric. And that song, and I, and I kept on trying to convince him to, to cover it. And he was like, I love the song. I want to do it. But he just never did it. Yeah. And so I was like, you know what? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take my own <laughs> advice and cover that song. <laughs> did you ever see uh, when Will Ferrell did it in Stranger Than Fiction? Yeah. It's uh, a great scene. That um, was the first time I'd ever heard the song. Mm-hmm. I didn't know. I didn't, honestly didn't know the Reckless Eric version. But I didn't know that they were the same thing. Right. I didn't, like, discover the song for, I heard that version, and then like a year later, heard Reckless Eric one. I was like, "Oh man, that song's awesome!" And they're like, "Yeah, remember that part when the Will Ferrell sang it?" I was like, "What?" (laughs) (laughs) It all turns around. That's how I got around to Golden Brown because that was Snatch for me. Oh yeah, Snatch. It was in the movie. It was just the coolest. Like I, it sounds it sounds like a difficult song to me. It is a little bit complicated, but it's really not if you break it down from like piece to piece as far as instrumentation but when it all comes together it sounds beca- sounds like it is because right. they're all you're all kind of doing drastically different things uh-huh. but yeah stranglers the th- the cool thing about that song too is that that's kind of one of the songs of theirs that only sounds like that 
a lot of their other stuff sounds. See, I've a never lot. listened to their other stuff. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, it's a little bit more angular punk kind of. Well, it was funny watching you guys. You know, looking back now at this tour that these were recorded on everything because these are, you know, these are quieter shows, I guess. You know, the, you have the orchestra there, the acoustics, and everybody's sit, seated, except your lead man, who can't find a seat. <laughs> <laughs> we take it away every night. <laughs> The reason he dances around is because he's just really mad. Really? <laughs> In a very acoustic sort of way. Yeah. And I also th- thought it, it laid out nicely because it's your, kind of your first attempt, maybe unintentionally, in the greatest hits. I don't know if you guys thought of it like that, but... Well, I guess it does have all the songs on it, so... Yeah. <laughs> I don't I don't know if we were warranted a greatest hits record yet, but, uh, you know... You got a lot of hits. Well, uh, you see the way people uh, react to them. We'll see. Yeah, it's, it's happening. <laughs> now, we're excited about it. Are you looking ahead? Is it's Because the album now, it's you know you guys have been done with it for a while. That's always the, the wrap-up question, isn't it? Are you looking ahead? Uh, always. Yeah. Never can... looking behind. No, um, we actually write throughout the year of, you know, two years now that we've been touring on this. So we from the time that we stopped recording Tell Me I'm Pretty, we kind of continued to, to just store ideas on our iPhones and such and... I feel really, really cool about where we're going um, with, because we always change it up from mm-hmm. album to album. And it's always and, a surprise. Yeah, I, 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 we like that, and not that we necessarily do that, but I think you you have to imitate your art has to imitate your life, and your life is constantly changing. And so, they, if you let your music do that, it's going to be different, and it's exciting to us. So. Well, the one compliment I'll give you here at the end about that is, you find a band that you like. And it's usually on that first or second record for most bands. And, and you grab onto that and you make your memories with that. And, you, and, and then the band goes on and, you know, by the time they're on their fifth record, you're like, oh, I wish they, I wish I liked them as much. But I can honestly <laughs> say that you are one of the few bands that I can name that, you know, it's here you are on what, what album number is this? It's, and and uh, this is probably my favorite record that you guys have done. Oh, the, the, uh, not the, Pilled or no, the no, oh, Tell Me I'm Pretty yeah, is our yeah, fourth yeah. record. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think that, um, I don't know. I think we started out with not a lot, uh, like a lot of references to pull from, and we didn't have a, a va- like a vast knowledge of music and underground music. We just, you know, we we loved the Rolling Stones, we loved Beck, we loved uh, we loved uh, the Beatles, and we always wanted to write pop songs in the vein of how the Beatles could mix cool and pop together. Not that we ever would achieve that, you know what I'm saying? But why not strive for that, right. you know? And um, I think just recently, I mean, not recently, but, you know, within the last five to seven years, we were able to kind of put together all the dots and really achieve what we were going for on at least Melophobia and Tell Me I'm Pretty. The, the other two records, I think I appreciate for being a, a, a snapshot in time of where we were really were. It was true songs to us, but they're not as i don't know maybe not as uh thought out and maybe maybe some of that is 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 a good thing and maybe some of that isn't <laughs> it's like looking back at the yearbooks photos yeah, exactly, right that's exactly. what it always is sometimes you wear a cool shirt but your haircut sucks <laughs> uh all right brad thank you so much that's all what right I got thanks man it's great talking And why not one more Cage the Elephant interview back when they played the KFC Yum Center here in Louisville? I got to catch up with uh, with Matthew Schultz behind the uh, the record Melophobia. It's part three of Kyle Meredith with Cage the Elephant. I am sitting here with Matt Schultz of Cage the Elephant. 
Sir. Oh, that's me. That's Hi. you. Welcome to the interview. <laughs> How's it going? And uh, welcome kind of back home. I mean, this yes. is a Kentucky show. We were just talking uh, before the uh, before the interview here. Mm-hmm. This is You said this is like the first time you've played Kentucky. You're on tour with the Black Keys right now since, I don't know, a little tiny club in Bowling Green, Kentucky. It's the first time we've played here since we released Melophobia back in October last year, and, and that was just kind of like a secret show that we did yeah. at Tidballs, which Tidballs is a bar in Bowling Green where we played our first ever right. Cage the Elephant concert, and we, we always go back there. It's going to be insane. Is it, is it you, you play on the floor there, right? Kind of, essentially. Yeah, right. <laughs> it's this crazy, super high, four-inch <laughs> elevated stage. It's different than the Not, stadium show. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. But they have this really cool chain that's across the ceiling and I always hang upside down. No. Of course you do. Of course you do. <laughs> no, yeah. I, I love Tidballs. Um, it's one of those venues that um, that's not known necessarily for the extraordinary sound, but right. more the atmosphere. It's like the uh, the rented PAs on the on Yeah, the side. Totally, <laughs> totally, totally, absolutely. It's cool, though. You know, the great thing about your story, and, and you know, there's been plenty talked about, you know, coming from the small town Kentucky and everything, is like everything you have against you when you're from a small town anywhere mm. to have risen to where you guys have. Like, it, it's crazy. Did it ever feel like, I mean, I know you guys had to escape, essentially, to kind of make it. And I guess that's what happened. But it ever seemed like, man, we really do. We have just got to get as far away from our past if we're ever going to make this happen. Mm, I think you have shades of that in every single day. <laughs> yeah. um, but, you know, there were, there were a lot of uh, hurdles to get over um, being from a small town. First off, to get out where you know, to, to get exposure and get in front of people and people who could help. So we would we would drive down to Nashville every weekend and play mm-hmm. at like 12th and Porter or um, 3rd and Lindsley. Um, there was this place called Windows Over the Cumberland that we used to sure, play. Yeah. We'd drive up here and play at, what was that place? The Tavern, maybe? Up here? Yeah, is that here or a, what was the, the? There was a place that we used to play here a lot. Um, and we'd also play in Lexington. I swear there was this place. There's this place that has this massive ceiling fan here in Louisville. I don't think I know what it is. Phoenix, Phoenix Hill, Hill. There we go. So we used to play there all the time. Phoenix Hill. Phoenix oh. Hill. We've all done our dues at Phoenix Hill. So we would do like three shows a weekend, and once we got out of Bowling Green, we moved to England, and it was. It was something that was always like this in like this chip on our shoulder that was kind of hurled on us that, yeah. you know I mean that's, pe- your, that's your origin story and it suddenly becomes very sexy to the media well kind of but then they betray you you know that's, then it's like oh these are hicks from Kentucky right right you know and so you got to deal with that did you you don't have an accent uh, did you ever have really was that ever called like oh man Especially oh, when you're if we're over. from Kentucky, we all have accents. Yeah, right. <laughs> I don't hear it. Yeah, yeah. right, right, right. But, no. I, can, but I, I can imagine over, over in, uh, over in uh, Europe and everything, it's like, you know. Well, you know, I mean, um, they just quickly tried to paint us as this dumb party band. Mm-hmm. And, um, and over the years, you just have to continue to follow through and, and do what you do. And hopefully people will see more, that there's more to the story than just your place of origin or... Maybe they can see past, um, you know, some people want to believe that uh, uh, where you're from dictates your, your right. intelligence level, right, which is right, hilarious, right. you know. 
I thought that was dictated by, you know, genetics. <laughs> um, <laughs> but every place has their stereotypes. Yeah, every yeah, totally. Has, yeah. Anyway, so that was something to get over. And I, honestly, and it was funny because it did become a ship on our shoulder for years. And it was something that, for some reason in my youth, I was a bit ashamed of. But, you know, as the years have passed by, I mean, Kentucky is one of the, the fondest places in yeah. my memory. I love Kentucky. Every time, it's so weird. As soon as we got here today, um, I finished a lyric in a song that I've been, like, just, like, yeah. searching for for so long. It and, it, and it's just, like, um, I think it has something to do with the humility that's here and mm-hmm. just the humble nature. And so that I don't feel like this need to boost up my ego so I can really be in touch with, like, honesty and transparency. Yeah. So. I love Kentucky. Yeah. I, I find that uh, interesting with a lot of people, though. You do, you, 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 I mean, you said it earlier, you kind of shun your past. Yeah. And eventually, it's not so much that you have to come back, it's that you just give in. Oh, I love, I mean, yeah. I, the people are great here. Yeah. It's like some of the most gorgeous landscape in the country. Yeah. You know, there's a lot of great artists that have come out of Kentucky. Mm-hmm. Uh, My Morning Jacket. Sure. Right, Prince right, Billy, right, right here in yeah, town. Yeah. yeah, totally. And Cage the Elephant. Cage the Elephant. Yeah. Morning Teleportation, yeah. Sleeper Agent. Um, there's been a lot of great, yeah. great bands. So. And it's, so it does, it makes it kind of a, a homecoming show for you guys. Do you have family uh, that's going to be here? Oh, yeah. My dad is driving up. My little brother's uh, going to be here. I know that several of the band yeah. members have family. See, there's, the, there's that whole backstory of yours about how you, you know you, rock music was shunned in your household, but now they show up. Like, are they all supportive? Well, it wasn't. That, did that, they listen? Oh, did that get That was an yeah. over-dramatized uh, okay. yeah. version of the story. Yeah. Um, you know, Which is basically, a good story, if it was true. <laughs> yeah. Well, basically, my dad was just trying to be a good parent and sure. keep his young children away from heavily drug-influenced yeah. music. But know? now you're playing the... Yeah, At yeah, least totally, it sounds heavily totally. drug-influenced. Yeah. So. Well, he's, you know, and he's a huge supporter. Um, when I quit the football team and started a band, he was the first one to be, like, cheering me on. Oh, that's so. good. That's good. Um, so it wasn't the whole, you know forehead smack and what have I done wrong no, no where have no. I gone wrong with my sons no, quite the opposite <laughs> the new the, the new record Melophobia I guess it's I guess it's a year old now report card time this was supposed to be the album that you guys stretched out on this is supposed to be the album that you found your identity mm. uh, as once again the press release would say and everything you know the the, the album that you wanted to stop <laughs> they being always com- say yeah <laughs> the album that you wanted to stop being compared to everybody else I mean you're, you're a year and it usually does take a bit of time for perspective I mean uh, how's it you know has it changed any have you been, have um, you been looking at it going we hit it or missed it by that much or you know I, I think you can always find different areas to grow in. Um, I think that we have we definitely made a more transparent record than the last and than anything we've ever done. I feel like we've we've uh, really worked on our our communication skills. You know, music and any art at its barest form is communication. Mm-hmm. You know, I think art for art's sake sucks. Sure. <laughs> you know, like if you are an artiste. You probably are more into fashion and trends, yeah. um, but uh, you know. So I, I definitely feel like we made some really great discoveries on this record that I hope to continue to apply to the creative process. I don't know if we found our voice. Yeah. I think we definitely found a method, and uh, or not even necessarily a method, or a formula. 
but I think we discovered some elements that are very important yeah. to unlocking creativity. And so hopefully in the future we can continue to do those things. Yeah, I, find, I guess that's what's interesting because a band comes out and that's the band, that's their sound and everything. And to hear a band coming out of record three, going into record four, saying, now we're still trying to figure out who we are. And it is hard. I mean, that's always been your thing, you know. Explain Cage the Elephant. What do they sound like? Well, I don't know. They're a rock band. Yeah. <laughs> I always tell people, and uh, easiest said, uh, it's it's in the rock and roll right, world. Yeah, but it, but but to actually hear you guys saying, it's like, oh, you know, we're still trying to figure that out ourselves. Like that's that's interesting. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think that we're in a time where there's so much collective culture and knowledge mm -hmm. that it's hard to pinpoint something. I mean, you know, rock and roll means so many different things to so many different sure. people. So, um, But we just want to make music that inspires us and that says something and that holds some of the, uh, the nuances of the, the, the music that we love from the past and also, you know, hopefully is stretching out and searching for new things to add to it. And, do you ever get worried about, you know, with fan expectations, the way they come around, like, you know, fans hardcore fall in love with the band, and you guys have a very big fan base at this point, and the more you kind of experiment, there's always that chance that you're going to go in a direction that, that they're not going to be up for, and that's, what, I mean, there are bands historically that have been fine, like, they, they purposefully have changed their sound because they didn't want certain fans, like, mm. you know, or whatever it was, you know, like, the, the old stories about Pearl Jam not wanting the meatheads you know, oh, wow. uh, or something like that, you know, but, but as you guys are kind of fiddling around, like, that's, that's possible, you know, you go this way, and they're like, no, nah, I can't, I can't go there. I think what we're trying to do is shed that kind of writing, though, we don't, we don't want uh, image projecting based creativity, we just mm -hmm. don't want to, like, you know, make music to be perceived as intellectual, or mm -hmm. to be perceived as poetic, or, or, even you know accessible or whatever hopefully the thing that our fans are getting into is just an openness to to change and growth and you know we try to write music that we're into at that time or mm -hmm. whatever's happening and yes there's always a fear where you're like have we gone too far <laughs> this time but you know in a weird way I think it's become kind of a, a bit expected that it might be a little unexpected. Sure, so, sure. you know, you guys have pulled that off. Just, <laughs> just try to write good songs that connect with people yeah. and um, great hooks. That's one thing that I always uh, admired about David Bowie is, you know, I mean, he's several different shades of gray, you know, like or whatever yeah, color yeah, you want. Yeah. You know, I mean, he, he's just all over the place in his style and. Um, but he always wrote fantastic songs. With and each album completely different from the last. Totally, yeah. with incredible choruses, yeah. uh, wildly imaginative lyrics, um, and hopefully we can kind of do the same. So. It's, it's funny how many interviews we've done over the past few years where David Bowie is the ultimate touchstone. If you want to be a great rock and roller... Which, you know, and, and I, I don't know, because yeah, at one point you can say artist, mm. but, but there's something about the theatrics he puts into it, and it's, you know, because it's thinking beyond more than just, I have to go out there and strum this guitar mm -hmm. for a crowd, you know, mm -hmm. it becomes a whole big picture, but it's really interesting. But I have noticed, like, the sea change over the past few years, you know, 15, 20 years ago, 
you know, a band, when once they were a sound, they were really afraid to get out. But I do see more and more bands, it's like, meh, we don't really have to be defined by a sound anymore. It is starting to change, so. I hope, I hope that catches on. I mean, that was one of the great things about the 60s and the 70s, and it's probably one of the reasons why uh, we as a civilization have become so hung up on the 60s and 70s, because you can't pin it down. You know, all your favorite bands, it was... I mean, you were, like, waiting to hear what their next record right, was like. Right. You wanted, like... I mean, I didn't live in the 60s and 70s, but I can <laughs> but imagine. But we all know about it, right. But yeah. it's kind of like, you know, you, you want to get the record and you want to see how the band has changed. Even yeah. the pictures, it's like, oh, my gosh, John Lennon grew his hair out. And think that's for, like, <laughs> six-month periods, Totally, too, yeah, that's one the, the craziest other. thing. Like, yeah. I, I would kind of like to see that come back, you know? Maybe <laughs> yeah. less touring, more albums. That's, that's coming as a fan. As oh, an artist, that would that's got to be... No, that'd be incredible. Yeah. I think that would be great. Like, you, you guys would see. already be releasing that next record oh, probably gosh. a month ago. Yeah, you know? well, we, <laughs> I, I'm right there with you. I'd yeah. love to do that. Yeah, um, we're working on a new record, and which is um, kind of fast. I mean, you that's a quick turnaround for you guys to already be kind yeah. of messing around. Well, it was weird because usually I can kind of predict when creativity is going to start creeping in, sure. and um, uh, or at least a resurgence of creativity, you know. But this time. It just started happening, and it was like, wow, uh, that's cool. And I kept on being like, eh, it's not happening yet. You know, trying to disregard it, right. but um, a lot of ideas have come in, and hopefully there's still a long way to go, a lot of growth to happen and mm-hmm. new discoveries, but pretty excited. I'm excited. I'm excited to see what happens next on oh, this one. Yeah, me LP4, too. right <laughs> around the corner. <laughs> yeah, totally. And then LP5, right around the corner. <laughs> Um, yeah, hopefully. Yeah, dude, totally. It's been really fun to catch up. Thank you so much. Yeah, congratulations, and uh, we'll see you down the road. Thank you. All right. The new record is called Social Cues. If you haven't already, please do take that moment to hit the subscribe button wherever you're listening from right now. And again, whether that's on uh, YouTube or Spotify, iTunes or Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your favorite podcasts from. After that, you can head over to WFPK.org. That's where I do a show every Monday through Thursday from noon to 3 Eastern. You can also find some bonus episodes of this series. Consequenceofsound.net has all your music and film news needs. You can find me at Twitter at Kyle Meredith and Facebook slash Kyle Meredith. That does it for another edition of Kyle Meredith. I'll see you next time. Consequence Podcast Network.